0: Today's reading is in James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. good morning. This morning, I get the privilege of finishing our series in the book of James. So if you want to open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 5, that's where we're going to be this morning. The beauty of this series, if you haven't been a part of it with us, is I really believe with all my heart, God has used each teaching pastor to bring truth and and challenge our church family and teach our church family. So if you haven't gotten to hear any of them or miss some of them or if this is your first time with us, we have a website called InsideSCC.org that you can go back and listen to those different messages all the way back from the beginning in Genesis, or Genesis, not Genesis, that would be a long time ago, in James chapter 1, because that's what we're in for this series is James. But today, I'm going to kick off with the big idea right away. So the big idea is this, we all tend to stray, and we can all return to God. Amen? Let's pray. So God, we do, we thank you for today, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you that we can't even be here listening to your word. So God, would you give us what we need to hear today? Would you teach us what you want us to be taught? Will you help us apply what you want us to apply? How would you help us live the way you want us to live? So, God, as we dig in, would you just help us and come alongside us in your name? Amen. So, hey, I'm going to actually take you through the whole book twice this morning. I've only got two verses, so I've got to use my time wisely. Just kidding, sort of. But we're going to look through the book of James. We're actually starting chapter 1 because this is important. Anybody that's ever read a book or loves reading, you know you don't just go to the end of the book and read the end, especially like a mystery, right? Like if you read the last chapter or last section, you're like, oh, I know what's going to come. But the, the, the stinky part of it is you, you could know that, and one, it ruins the rest of the book, right? And two, it doesn't only really just ruin the rest of the book. You don't know why you got there or why you needed to get there or how you got there. You just know you got there, Right? It's the same with the book of James. James actually has a book and type book where they start with one teaching and then he's going to walk us through the whole book based off of that idea. Then we're going to hit what we're going to hit today and it's actually going to lead us all the way back through the book again to show us some truth with that truth. Get confusing yet? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in right now. You don't need to actually read the whole chapter because we don't have time for that. But here's what I want to tell you. The beginning of the book, if you look in your James chapter 1, is it talks about trials, and that's where we started our series. We talked about growing. We talked about maturing. We talked about finding joy in those trials. And that's not always easy, right? And then he goes on to say, hey, I'm going to now talk you through how to handle trials. And that's what a lot of the rest of the book is. So it's hard. Because we don't want to always live the way James is about to teach us, right? Like anybody ever gone through a trial? Yeah, I think all of us in the room, right? At some point, if you haven't, unfortunately, you probably will at some point. They're not fun. They're not easy. You don't always find joy. If you're me, I don't always find joy in what God's trying to teach me or grow me or whatever. Sometimes I'm like, I'm done with it. And I don't want to, but he's going to give us a picture Of what this means and and, and again you can go back and listen to these different messages that the pastors give so the first one is this walking through trials what happens and what do we choose well the first thing we learn from james is this when we choose to find joy and grow or we can choose not to grow when we go through trials we can choose to look for god's wisdom or his example get blown away. When we go through trials, we can fall into the temptation in front of us, or we can move toward the good God has for us. When we're going through a trial, we can hear God's word and let it go, or we can hear God's word and do something with it. When we're going through a trial, we can choose to love everyone or judge and show favoritism. When we're going through a trial, we can choose to show our faith by our deeds, how we live, or we can just say, I have faith. We can choose in our trial to bless people with our tongue or curse people. We can choose, anybody like, okay, already? Well, we're not done with the book yet. We can choose when we're in a trial to look to God for wisdom or our world. We can choose in a trial to live the way God asks of us or the way the world asks of us. We can choose through a trial to live with humility or live with arrogance. We can choose through a trial to be patient and stand firm or become comfortable. And this is where it leads the rest of the book to today. We can choose in a trial to pray and confess Or we can wander from the truth. See, the whole book of James walks us through this whole thing. And if we have ever gone through one, or are going through one, or when we do go through one, this is a great tool to go back to to help us walk through it, to help us face it, whatever it is. Am I going to live more the way God wants me to, or am I not? Am I going to grow in this? Well, here's the ways to grow. Am I going to help people see more of Jesus in this trial, or am I going to push them further away? And it's not easy. It's hard. And that's where we get to the wondering thing. He goes on to say, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death. And cover a multitude of sins. So, there's three things we're gonna look at today. We're gonna to look at the wandering, we're gonna look at the truth, and we're gonna look at restoration. Because that's what James is bringing into play right now. So, wandering. Well, here's what wander means fall away mentally or morally, and walking away from the truth. So, if we're gonna wander, we're gonna wander because we're falling away mentally or following morally. And we're walking away from the truth. Well, what's the truth? Amen? Amen. There's a lot of truth in here. It's hard some days to take it all in, right? Some days we forget. Sometimes we wonder just not because we choose to, we just forget what God's calling us to and what God says in here. That's why it's so important that we're in here. Right? Not just on Sunday mornings, but on our own. That we're spending time in the Bible, reading through it, and learning what God has for us and wants from us. So we can live that way. But some days we choose, right? We choose in that moment. I don't really want to obey God in this moment right now. So I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And then we wander that way too. My sophomore year in high school was not one of my most proud moments of my life. Because my sophomore year in high school, I was known as the best potty mouth in the school. No one could out-potty mouth me, out-cuss me. And if somebody tried to, I just added a few words to the dialogue to make my score better, right? And in that, I had a friend who loved me enough to come alongside me. We were sitting in a biology class of all classes, right? Biology class. And we're sitting at this table. And this buddy, who's also a believer, looked at me, for whatever reason, this one day, I really believe it was a God moment, because I had other God moments. I grew up in the church. God was speaking to me, trying to get my attention many different times up to this point. But you know what? I'd rather fit in than be who God wanted me to be at high school. And so at this table, this guy looks at me, and he says, hey, can I, can I ask something of you? And I said, Sure. And he said, would you quit calling yourself a Christian? And I was like, oh. And he's like, here's the thing. You're not helping anybody and you're not helping his cause by the way you're talking and the way you're behaving. The hard thing about that is God did not let that one go. And part of the reason I'm up here today is because of that man. Because he was listening to God, and in that moment, God needed somebody to step into my life and say, bro, not this way anymore. Now, the hard thing is I had to go look in the mirror and go, okay, is this true or not? And obviously, we know it was true. But then I had to make a choice. Okay. Am I going to do this or not? I chose to do it and it was super hard decision in my life because that meant after sophomore year in high school I said goodbye to a lot of people I called friends I quit doing a lot of things I was doing freshman and sophomore year in high school because I realized you're right I don't want to live that way and I'm not asked to live that way and I need to change how I'm living that's not easy It's difficult because then, now I'm going against everything I've lived for about four years. Do everything I can to fit in with everybody around me. And I had to break that hard, hard thing in my life. But it's the beauty of somebody caring for us enough to come to us and say, hey, this isn't the way you're supposed to live. But how does he know that? Well... He has to be another fellow believer, right? He has to know what God's asking of us. He has to know what God's calling of us, right? To come say that or do that. And that's not always easy. And here's the biggest test. Are we ready and willing to listen and respond? If we're the wanderer, when we're wandering, right? Because the big idea is we all tend to stray. And the beauty is we can all return to God. But the truth is we're all sinners and we all can struggle and we can all stray from what God has for us. You might not even always choose that day to wake up and go, I want to disobey God today. That's my goal by the end of the day. How can I disobey God And how many times? Can we keep a track today? Let's just make a marker for every time I disobey God. I think the majority of us, if not all of us in the room, are like, that is not how I start my day. But see, but it's not always about how you start your day. It's about how you finish your day. Or you finish that week or that month or that year. And I've been reading, well, and I finished it, a book by Andy Stanley called Principle of the Path, and it talks about us making decisions in life. It's an amazing book. If you like to read, I would encourage you to read it. But here's a statement from there that really convicted me. What gets our attention determines our direction and ultimately our destination. I'm going to say it again. What gets our attention determines our direction and ultimately, our destination. And I'm going to give you a Bible example, because we are a church, right? Peter, if you know Peter at all, who's in the New Testament, one of Jesus' disciples. There's a big moment for Peter, and his moment is what the story is called, Walking on Water. And here's where Jesus comes walking on water. He calls Peter to get out of the boat. Peter has a chance to live out his faith, get out of the boat, follow Jesus, do all these amazing things with Jesus, right? Right? Anybody that's read the story, I'm going to give you the end if you haven't, so I'm sorry. He doesn't. Here's why. Here's how this principle lives out. What gets our attention determines our direction and ultimately our destination. So here's how it works. If Peter, which he did, he got out of the boat, kept his eyes on Jesus the whole time, and all he cared about was Jesus the whole time, he would have got to Jesus. Why? Because his attention was on Jesus. And that determined his direction, so he knew which way to go, which ultimately meant he got to his destination, Jesus, right? But what does he lose his focus on? Anybody remember in the story? The wind, right? You're jumping ahead, but I love it. The wind, right? So here's Jesus, the ultimate destination, right? I think we'd all agree with that, right? The ultimate destination, Here's the problem. Life happened. A trial came. Wind blew. A bad storm was happening. And instead of staying focused on Jesus, he turned his focus to the wind. And thus, his attention determined his direction. And what direction did he go? Down into the water. Now when Peter got out of the boat, and I want you to hear this multiple times today, when Peter, not just about Peter, but everything, when Peter got out of the boat, he didn't get out of the boat and go, I don't want to follow Jesus. He didn't get out of the boat and go, I would love to drown today. He didn't get out of the boat and have all these other thoughts. He, in faith, got out of the boat. But the struggle with life is sometimes, no matter how much faith we have or how much faith we wanna have, there's moments in life that get our attention. And we don't always purposely pick it, folks. You know this true in your own life. You aren't always picking to wander away from Jesus. Sometimes it happens, but somewhere, it switches to happen. And somewhere in all these choices of life, you have this moment to decide, am I keep going down that path, Or, oh, no, i got to get back on the path. Right? And so it's not like most of us, if any of us, intentionally go, I decided to not follow Jesus today. Well, maybe we have at some point. but, But I think most of us in the room aren't arguing that. We're hoping to follow Jesus, right? We're hoping to go behind him. We're hoping not to wonder. But here's what happens. Now let's go back through the book of James the other way starting in chapter 5. We wander from the truth when we don't ask for prayer and confess our sins. We wander from the truth when we don't ask for prayer and confess our sins. We wander from the truth when we become impatient and don't stand firm in suffering. If you're like me, folks, I've been studying the life of David. That dude, like, amazes me. Because I'll tell you, if, if I had somebody chasing me around for multiple years trying to kill me, and I was already promised to be the king, I'm not going, yeah, let's keep waiting on this. Like, let's get this done. Get this guy out of the way and let me be king, right? Well, that's because I'm impatient. That's how I think. That's where I need to grow. See, David understood at the right time and the right place, God will open the door. And I just have to keep going until he does, when and where. We can wander from the truth by being patient and not standing firm. We can wander from the truth when we tend to live more arrogantly than humbly. Our attitude can affect how we live. We can wonder from the truth when we live the way the world wants us to instead of the way God wants us to. We can wonder from the truth when we look to the world for wisdom instead of God. We can wonder from the truth when we rather use our tongue to curse others instead of blessing them. We wonder from the truth when we choose to say we have faith and not live it out. Anybody can say it. We wonder from the truth when we choose those we love instead of seeing everyone in God's eyes. We choose to hear the word and not live it out. We wonder from the truth when we allow temptation to take hold of our lives. We wonder from the truth when we don't look to God for wisdom. And we wonder from the truth, back to James chapter 1, When we don't want to grow in the trials we're in. All of this book is a heart issue. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? How do you want to live? He's calling us to more. And this is hard because since I was eight years old, I've believed that Jesus was my savior. There was never a doubt in my head from eight years old at Bible camp that I knew Jesus was my Savior. The difference was I didn't let him be the Lord of my life yet, and that's why I was living the way I was in high school. And then when I turned 21, I got an opportunity to speak in front of students, which terrified the, the snot out of me, to be honest. And I was. It was not No, just kidding. And I told the, the gentleman I didn't want to do it because I didn't believe that was of God for me. And they thought different. And I went home that night and I prayed to God. And I go, God, what should I do? What should I read? And I read the book of James four times that night. And realized I'm not living the way God wanted me to live, even in that moment. Not to the full extent. And I remember that night getting on my knees and going, it's time to make you the Lord of my life. Not just the Savior of my life. And it's time to learn how to do this life with you and not how I think it should be done or the way I think it should be done. Because folks, on my own, I mess things up. On my own, I make a lot of mistakes. On my own, I unfortunately hurt people. On my own, not a lot of good always comes out. As I spend time with Jesus and spend time in the word, that's when the good comes. And the people are loved, and people are learning about Jesus, and all these good things come. And I grow and I learn because of what God's doing in my life. Why? Because we're coming closer to Him, not further away from Him. And that's something I was praying about this morning as I got up. I'm like, what's a great illustration of this truth? And He gave me my boys. This thing about it. anybody that has kids or has grandkids or, you know, nieces or nephews or any kid that you're close to. One of the beautiful pictures is when a kid loves you, they run up to you. And, you know, my boys are getting a little big now, so it's hard for what They almost broke my back last night. But when they jump on you to hug you, right, and you hold them. And there's this beautiful moment with a child where they're hugging you. Why? Because I'm their daddy. Right? And they know right now that they're safe in my arms. They know I love them like crazy. And I'm hugging them back. I'm holding them too. It's not just a one-way street where they're holding on to me. I'm holding them too. That's the way God is for you, Folks. He's wanting to hug you. He wants you to run to him. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to be so intimate that when you see your father and you know your father's there, you run to him and jump in his arms and hug him. But here's where the text comes into play. When the wandering happens, here's the truth. God wants you in his arms to love you and protect you. And there's another evil being out there that's trying to tear you away from your father. Here's the truth. If my boys are in my house and in my arms and I'm hugging them and I'm loving them and some stranger comes in my house to try to take my boys from me, there's going to be a problem, right? You ain't touching my boys without me doing something about it, right? But here's the most important thing, even beyond that. If my sons get scared, what are they going to do? they're going to tighten around me, right? Harder. They're going to squeeze harder. They're going to make sure I do not let them go, even though they know I'm not going to let them go. I'm not letting that other person take my boys. But they're going to squeeze tighter because they're in fear. They see this other thing is coming to get them, take them from their father, the good thing, the love, all this other stuff. Folks, there's an evil one coming to get you, to take you from your father, to help you wander from the truth. But our struggle as Christians, if we're being honest today, is this, and I am just as guilty. Instead of clinging tighter to my father in trials and other situations in life, you know what I do? I blame my father. Why are you putting me through this? Why are you allowing me to go through this? This is actually your fault. Or whatever other things we say to God because it's obviously him. And you know what we do in that moment? Instead of holding tighter so the evil one can't take us and run with us, we open our arms. And this isn't representing the cross. We open our arms. No, I don't want to hug you because this is you. And then Satan and his evil forces grab us and pull us away to wander a different direction that we weren't supposed to go in the first place. (coughs) Folks, my boys would never let go of me and we should never let go of God. But we do. Why? Because the big idea, we all tend to stray. But the beauty is we can all return to God. There's not one of us in this room that can't return. There's not one of us that shouldn't return. We should all at some point return if we've gone. And hopefully, 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 you have people in your life that love you enough like my buddy to call you back to that truth. And if you don't, I'm praying you find some people. And I'll even give a plug right now for Pastor Daniel. There's groups that he oversees that we can plug into that kind of thing. And do. But what's the truth? Well, folks, the truth is the Bible. The truth is the gospel. Because right at the beginning of J- James chapter 1, he tells us it's his brother. And his life was changed forever when he realized who his brother really was. And through his trials, he's gotten to write this book and this letter because he's like, I know, folks, I get it. But we have to cling. We have to cling when we wander. Here's two stories from the Bible that I think is beautiful as we enter this idea of restoration, though. Number one is David and Bathsheba and a guy named Nathan. They're in 2 Samuel, so Old Testament, chapter 11, chapter 12, and then Psalm 51. I am going to ruin the story for you if you haven't read it yet, because I'm going to tell you the end. But here's the truth that you need to hear first. David did not wake up that morning, the morning that he woke up in this story, and go, I'm going to have sex with another man's wife, and I'm going to kill him later. Did you hear that? David did not wake up the day he woke up and said, I'm going to have sex with another man's wife, and I'm going to kill him because of it later. I'm guessing that was nowhere on his radar that day. But here's what happened. He woke up that day and he said, I'm not going to war. That's all he said. I'm the king. I should be at war with my men. I should be going. But I'm going to stay home today in my comfortable place. And I'm going to stay here and do this. Well, they're all there. That's all he did that day. And if we're being honest with the story... He got out of bed. Like, that's a big deal, right? Like, oh, no, he got out of bed. I get out of bed at night to go to the bathroom, right? Like, that's not a sin because all you need to know that right now, right? It's not wrong that he got out of bed. It's not even wrong that he went to his roof, which is what the next part of the story is. He stayed home. He got out of bed. He went to his roof to look out, I'm guessing, at the beautiful night, right? Right? But here's the moment, right? We're all making decisions. Like we're trying to figure life out financially. We're trying to figure out life with our faith. We're trying to figure out life with other people. There's all these things we're trying to figure out, right? And all these things, we're not just waking up today going, I'm going to ruin everybody's life and mine, right? We're going, I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to figure this out. But here's where the the turn came. David stayed home for more, got up from bed, went on his roof, and as he's looking on his roof, saw a naked, beautiful woman. Dun, dun, dun. But this is it, right? This is the moment. This is the moment he could have switched the path. See, he made these decisions that got him to that direction, right? But he could have made one decision to change the direction of his life. But instead, he said, I'm going to be selfish, and I want what I want, and I'm going to get what I want right now. And he sent for her and slept with her. And he wandered away from the truth, and he wandered away from God. But that's not the end of the story. That's, in a sense, the beauty is that's not the end of the story, and that's not the end of our story. Because God has this guy named Nathan in his life. And he said, Nathan, I need you to go talk to David. We got we to right this path, man. And David, David, Nathan went to David and shared him a story about what a man did. And David was livid. He was upset. He's like, who would do that? We need to kill him. We need to punish him. And Nathan was like, it was you. And David had to do exactly what I had to do the moment my buddy, Drew, called me out in biology class. He had to go back and look at the mirror and go, he's he's telling the truth. And now I have a decision to make. And here's the beauty of God. God has unlimited grace. Amen? And in that moment, we get this other chapter called Psalm 51. David pours his heart out to God and says will you please forgive me don't cast me away from you don't get rid of me please let me have a relationship with you keep that relationship please let's restore this and God does now it doesn't mean there weren't consequences as you read the rest of his life but God didn't just throw him aside and end it God said I'm a God of grace I know you messed up. I mean, this is a man, when you read the Bible, that over and over again, he's talked about a man after God's own heart. So if a man after God's own heart, like in the Bible, struggles, what do you think? But the question is, will we do what David did? When somebody comes to us, are we willing to listen? Are we really willing to respond and go, man, you're right. I need to get back on track here. Another one is in the New Testament. And this one's the beauty of God's grace again. And Luke 15 is the parable of the lost son. So here again, another story of another human that doesn't wake up and go, hey, this is the end result of my choices. You know what he woke up and said that morning? I want my father's money that he's going to owe me when he dies, and I don't want to wait till he dies. I want to take that money and go party now. I want to go be with the women. I want to go eat a lot of food. I want to dress nice clothes now. I don't want to wait for my dad to die. That's his decision. If you know the story, you know the result that he's going to be with a bunch of pigs because he's going to lose all his money and have any money. He didn't wake up that day going, I want to live such a life that I can go live with pigs and feel miserable. That's not his thought process that morning. His thought process was, I want my money now, I want to go party now, and I want to go do my life now, and I don't want to wait. So the father gives him his money, sends him away. He goes off and spends it all, does all what he does with women and food and clothes. And then he ends up with pigs, literally. Eating their food because he has no other money, living with them because he has no other place to go. But here's the beauty of the story it doesn't end there. He doesn't think, when he's thinking, he doesn't think this is the end result. I just got to go back to my dad. That's all I know. I got to go back to my dad. But here's the beauty of God. The son goes back to his dad, and the dad is standing there not caring anything about what happened between point A and point B. All he cares about is his son came back from wandering away. And he hugged him, and he loved him, and he had a party for him, and he celebrated that he was back. That's the beauty of God, folks. There's nothing you can do in your life to wander so far from God that he won't take you back. Amen? Now, it doesn't give you permission to go off and do whatever you want. But the beauty is no matter if we wander, which we all do, we can all return to God. But there's more to this text than just the wonder, right? The, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and so, someone should bring that person back, well, here's where we go. Restoration. How do we bring somebody back? What does that look like? What does that mean? Because remember, and this is it, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over multitudes of sin. Well, here's the result. I'm going to give you the result before we talk about everything else. The result, the reason we do this is to help people, love people, and save people from their choices, right? Hopefully, we love people enough and care people enough that we're going to go to those people, whoever those people are, and help them and love them and hopefully bring them back to what God wants for them and the right way of living and all those things. Why? Because it'll cover over the multitude of sins, meaning at that point, just like God does, we overlook the insults and offenses and move on with life. But we have to go. It's just like the Bible, right? It's just like the gospel. If no one leaves this room today and no one goes and tells people about Jesus, how are they going to hear about Jesus? Right? It's just the same way in the midst of this trial of wonder and restore. If we don't go out and love people and care about people enough to go help them, if they're wondering from the truth and help try to bring them back, who's going to help them? And the end result is they're going to keep wandering and going possibly further away from God until somebody does. Right? The beauty is we have the ultimate restorer, Jesus Christ, Right? So here's what this means. Restoration means enabling repentance. When you live in this idea of going to help somebody come back, you are giving an opportunity for that person to repent. You are opening the door for them to come back and repent. And honestly, repentance is the goal here. The idea, though, with restoration is God often uses people to restore people. I want you to hear that again. God often uses people to restore people. So is there somebody in your life that maybe God wants you to speak to or talk to to restore them back to what God has for them? Here's the other thing about restoration. It involves forgiveness. We have to forgive and so do they. They need it. Restoration is also about a community loving each other. That's why we need each other. That's why the the church isn't a single entity, a single person. The church is all of us. That's why we talked about today as members, right, the covenant. Let's do this together. Let's figure out this together. It's messy, but let's figure out how to do it together. It's not always going to be clean, but let's still figure out how to do this together, right? But here's the ultimate thing about restoration. It's ultimately the beauty of God's grace. Restoration is ultimately the beauty of God's grace when God stands there to each of us and he welcomes us back after we've wandered away and hugs us and said, you're my child. That's all that matters right now. That's what matters. But here's the thing, and this is a question I wrote down later. What if we do? What if we go to somebody? What if we try and they don't listen or they don't respond? That's hard, right? Right? Especially if you love that person, care for that person, want to help that person. What if they don't? What if they don't listen and respond? Well, here's what I want to share with you this morning on this. Give them over to it and let God take care of it. That probably sounds really harsh. But even in the book of 1 Corinthians, it teaches us that. God even does that over and over and over again with people, the Israelites. If if they're not going to come back, if they're not going to listen, then I'm just going to give them over to it, and hopefully at some point they'll figure it out. So give give them over to it and let God take care of it, whatever that is. But here's the thing I want to challenge us on. Don't just stop there. Don't just stop there. Love them and pray for them. Never stop. Because God doesn't ever stop loving us. He doesn't ever stop wanting us. He doesn't ever stop praying for us. None of that ever stops for God, so that should never stop for us. Even if that person doesn't want it right now, we can still love them and pray for them. So what kind of church will we be? Will we be people that want to help each other grow? Will we want to be people that help each other from wandering? But even if somebody doesn't want to help right now, are we still going to pray for them and love them? Because in the end, that's, that's what God wants. We say this a lot. I love it. Pastor Brad brings this up a lot. He says, they will know us by our what? We can say it. They know us by our what? Our love, right? Are we willing to love people all the way? Are we willing to pray for people, even if they're struggling and they're not listening to us? Or, or they, we aren't the one, maybe we're not the ones to help them. Maybe our prayer is, God, can you send somebody to help them? But love them enough to pray for them, too. So there's some words that I've been wrestling with and praying over that I want to give you guys today, too. Words for the Restorer. So if you have decided this is something God's asking you to do, to go somebody else and help them with their wondering, whatever that might look like for that person, here's what I want to challenge you with. Go with gentleness. Because like anything, right, like I have a cat at home, and anytime I ramp up and get unhappy with her, and I just start yelling, she's not coming to me. She's running the other way. Actually, she's going under my couch, which actually annoys me a little bit more. But she's not coming to me, right? So we got to go with gentleness. The second one, we have to go with humility. Why? Because we all wonder. We all stray. We're all sinners. Not one of us is perfect. So we also have to go with the heart of humility when we go to somebody and go, hey, I'm not perfect either. This isn't me coming as perfect. I just love you and I want to help you if you're willing to do this with me. If you're willing to respond, if you're willing to listen. Self examine was a huge word. Like, how do we look at ourselves? Am I in the right place to do this? Am I the right person to do this? Am I in the right place to do this? Go prayerfully. Nothing is more important to me than prayer. Because God will let you know, are you the one or not? Should you do this now or not? Is it the place, the time, yet or not? And God will give you the wisdom for that. Carefully. Go carefully. Well, there's two reasons why carefully. One, because you don't want to hurt them if you can help it. And two, got to be careful so you don't get sucked into their thing, right? Whatever that thing is. So you got to go carefully. One, getting ready to help them carefully. But two, got to be ready for yourself, right? Another one, lovingly. Man, I love this. First Peter 4, 8 says this. If we love each other deeply, it will cover a multitude of sins. And I love that word, deeply. So if we go in thinking the best of each other, and loving each other so much and so deeply that this is about helping you, and this isn't about me in the end, even though it might even restore us, right? How do we go in lovingly? And then the final one that Jesus teaches us throughout the gospel is go in with grace and truth. Because folks, if you go in just all grace, you're not helping them. And on the other hand, if you're going with all truth, you're not helping them. We have to learn how to do that healthy balance of grace and truth. I love you, we're giving you grace. Why? Because that's what God did. We see that in our texts, right? But I also have to tell you, this isn't the way he wants you to live. And just be honest about it. And how do you do that? And the other one I would like to say is this big one, John 5, or not John 5, sorry, James 5, verse 16. What Pastor Brad taught last week. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Well, why are we healed? The result is if we help them, we'll save them and we'll help them cover over sins. They're healed. In God's eyes, they're healed and we can help them. So, how do we want to live? We want to be people of the truth, we want to be people of the Bible. We want to be in this word on our own, not just on Sunday mornings. My hope and prayer for you is that you never have the heart just to come in here and sit and listen to a pastor. I believe God used our pastors here in a mighty way, so I'm not downplaying any of that, because I believe even in this book of James, like I shared, and you can hear it again on InsideSCC.org, God has used them in a mighty way. I was even teasing, like every pastor has gone over in this series, and I was like, I only got two verses, so let's see if I stay on time, you know, uh, with all this. But here's the ultimate truth. This is the ultimate truth. And if we're spending time in it, loving it, clinging to it like our Father, He'll help us figure this out. He'll help us live it. He'll help us heal. He'll help us all these things. If we're willing to be that kind of church and go there together and figure out how to do this together. So let's pray. So guys, thank you for who you are. thank you for what you've done and what you are doing and what you're gonna do. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's confusing. But God, you're there to be there and help us figure this out if we're willing to listen and respond to you first. So God, just help us do that. Help Help us to respond and listen to you. And help that response to be to you, not away from you. God, we thank you for the people in our life that love us enough to come alongside of us and help us get back to where you want us to be. I need those people too. God, help us be that for each other so we can live out who you want us to be. And God, my prayer to you is that if anybody in here is wondering, God, help bring them back, but also help them not lose hope. Because there is always hope with you. There's always grace with you. There's unlimited grace, and that's a beautiful thing. So God, would you just help us live the way you want us to live? Be who you want us to be. In your name, amen. Hey, know this morning you are loved, and let's be people in the word, yeah? Even if you have to go back and read James on your own a few dozen times. Or read somewhere else in the Bible. Let's be people of the word, okay? Have a good Sunday.